Oh, and welcome to uh, Cannon Snakes. Um, and then let it go. Uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, welcome to our uh, special Sunday edition of our podcast. I'm along with Elliot today. How you doing? Pretty good. How's it going? Oh, I'm good. Uh, there's a lot to talk about today, obviously, but mostly we really want to get into um, the U.S. soccer uh, program. Um, things actually look up from the last time we talked all the way back in March. Would you agree? Wait, can you repeat that? Did things look up, like look like they're in a better place for U.S. soccer since the last time we talked. Yeah, they're in a much better place. A lot of our players are in Europe now. A lot of them are doing well. There's new talents all over the place now in, in European countries. And um, like we spoke about last time, that's exactly what we wanted to see from this generation of American soccer. So I think, I mean, there's still some issues obviously in this, but I think it's in a much, much better position to, to be a formidable nation than it was even a couple months ago. Uh, why do you think that is? Um, I'm not exactly sure, but, um, I think that the fact that we're playing in Europe or that we have a good amount of players playing in Europe has, has gained, has maybe sent a message to how the people behind the scenes are handling the Federation have adapted. Um, I think Western McKinney is the big one. Um, obviously a Christian pools just won't go into Chelsea. That's, that's great, and uh, we, we hope he does well. But at the same time, uh, Juventus is a much bigger club than Chelsea. So Western McKinney going from Schalke to Juventus and having – his second game wasn't great, but his first – his debut for them was excellent. And that just shows that there's going to be more eyes on the American um, public and the, the talent that we have with this um, nation. And now we have, I think, eight or nine different American players that will be playing in the Champions League this season. So, uh, yeah, so I think just the fact that we're, we're going out there being aggressive and the individuals that are playing for this team are going to Europe instead of doing the MLS thing, I think is a good sign for, for things to come. Yes, yeah, speaking of Europe, um, do you think um, it should almost be a requirement at this point that you should be, like, I don't want to say requirement. Uh, what, I'm, what I really want to ask is, do you think that there should be no more than four MLS players on the American squad at this point? Yeah, I would uh, – I, I don't want to take – to be honest, just in my personal point of view, I don't want to take too many MLS players into into the World Cup, into the into the uh, Gold Cup, into uh, other tournaments, just into international play. If you we have an international friendly, then you can throw them in there. But for the most part, I'd like, you know, 80% of the squad to be uh, from Europe – if possible, and it all depends on the number of players that we have there. But I think at this point, it is very possible that could happen. Um, I'd still want to keep a few MLS guys in there. Um, Acosta from FC Dallas, um, Jordan Morris, maybe, um, maybe some of the goalkeepers we have. Um, a few players here and there I'm okay with. But I think for the most part, we should be prioritizing. And we, the thing is, we should be encouraging our players to go out there. Yes, you can be a superstar in the MLS. Or you can go to England, or you can go to France, or you can go to Italy and make an impact on a winning team. And I think that's much more 
valuable into this team and because the reason the um, the american teams don't have respect is because the outside world of european football don't respect us because we don't have a lot of players of ours out there in europe and now that we're the people are starting to see it whether they do great or not that's that's to to be decided at another day but there's more respect from other nations and other uh people towards the u.s and i think it's because we're starting to see our players do well on a european scale yeah and i think though first the ultimate success i think it really does start at the top but it starts with the manager i do want to get into that now me and you have both said uh the current u.s manager uh, we don't think he'll make it past the world cup next year you know would you agree with that yeah, based on the foundation of this team, I don't want him now even because this is a European team being coached by an MLS coach. And that's that doesn't add, that's not going to add up to success because of the the egos and the the European players that are doing well out there. He's not going to prioritize that, which is he could stunt the growth, which is what I'd be concerned about. All right, and I do respect Greg Berhalter. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, but that, yes, I do too. I think I think for for his standard, he's a pretty good coach. But for this team, for this nation, for the amount of players we have in Europe, he's not the coach for this job, in my opinion. I agree with that. Um, I think the best thing he did though was giving Tim Green the captaincy, at least in the last couple friendlies. Would you agree with that? And I mean, I know yeah, Tim I mean, Green praised for Fulham. I know he's, but isn't that what you want? You want a European experienced player in their thirties to lead this young group of men. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, that that's that's a that's a decent choice. And again, I think he's he's done a good job for the jobs he's had. But the, my my thing is with these this new European age of American soccer, we need somebody more equipped to deal with the type of players that we have on this team now. So that's that's sort of the way I look at this. But again, I respect him. I'm not saying he's a bad coach or anything like that. Um, but among the American choices, is probably the best they could have gotten. But, um, again, I, I just would rather see someone with at least some European experience to do this job. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, like I said, I'll give Borhalter a chance at a 2022 World Cup. But if we don't make it out the round of 16, he's got to go. Would you say? I mean, that should be – I mean, I know we have to get there first. But I think with this level of talent, we'll – but would you say, depending on what group we have in, it's probably the quarterfinals or busts at this point? Um, I think we have to do this gradually. So I want to see them get to the round of 16 first before I, I raise my expectations to quarterfinals because we may have a team to make the quarterfinals, but it depends on grouping and matchups. And this is a very young team. So I think maybe quarterfinals is what is what we're looking at. Um, not the, this World Cup, but the but the following, just because um, they're just they're, it just this has haven't gelled long enough for us to expect that. But I think this is in my opinion. I, they probably won't do this, but it, it's my opinion that um, it, it, he's going to have his drop up until the World Cup, and whether it's great or not great. If there's European opportunities for a European coach to come in here um, and do a job, then they'll make that change then. But for the time being, I think he's he's going to do a good enough job to 
to to at least live up to are the, the the limited expectations that they have going into this. Making the World Cup is is a given. Uh, is a given. We have to make it. Outside of that, going forward, it's about making it to the round of sixteen and. In the round of 16 and stuff like that, you don't know who you're going to end up with. You could end up with someone very winnable, and then you could end up with a giant. It just depends on how everything goes down. But, um, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to give them to the next World Cup, and then if there's another opportunity, then you we can adjust that and make that choice. But uh, just for, for right now, it's that's, that's where I'm at with it. I'd agree with that. Um, I know you were very high on David Vonger for a while to take over the job. Do you think he's lost that right with how – terrible his Schalke team has performed? No, I don't, I don't think – I don't. to be honest, yes, uh, uh, Wagner didn't do the, the greatest job at Schalke, um, but at the same time, he, he has had success um, in the youth circuit at Dortmund. He has had success at Huddersfield. Um, yes, you know, he's not had these really strong teams, and even though Schalke should be stronger than they are, they sold his the, – the club sold their best player, the team, the player that kept them up from relegation last season, and they have don't, they don't have a prayer of anything. So, personally, I don't care who coaches Schalke at this point. With that team, they're not going anywhere. They're going down regardless of my opinion. So, I don't, I don't fully put that responsibility on, to, on his shoulders rather than looking at, you know, that he's not a great coach. And the thing with the U.S. national team job is they don't need a great coach. They just need someone who has had had some level of success in a European job. They don't have to be, you know, the next messiah. They just have to do – they just have to know how to handle these situations. And I think he's well-equipped to do that. I agree with that 110%. Um, I just wish – I don't know. It, 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 it's weird because I don't also don't want to get a flop a job, you know. I don't want us, and I'm not saying we're at the level of England talent just yet. I also don't want us to get to a point where we're developing all these great players. You know how England does, but we can never do anything because we continue to give flops a job year after year. I mean, if you look at it, it went from Roy Hodgson to Sam Aldis to Gareth Southgate. All absolute atrocious, all absolute flops. And is it bad of me to say that, like, I don't want to get to a point where we're sending all these players over to Europe, whether it be Germany, we have kids in Germany. We have a kid starting from Barcelona. You know, we have plenty of kids in England now. Is it fair of me to say that I would rather have somebody with that at least has been proven to keep his teams in the top 12, top 10 every single year to get that job instead of a somebody that gets sacked by a lower team or gets his teams relegated? Um, I think that's fair. Um, the problem with that is there's not – Obviously, there's people that might be in, interested in the job, but I don't know. Just the, the coaches of that standard are probably not going to take an international job, um, personally, unless you you go for for someone a bit older. Um, but I think, based on the, the, the situation and the options we have, I think Wagner could be their best option at this point. Um, there are other good managers that are out there who who might have to be convinced of the job. But I certainly think that that is what we should be targeting um, long-term. But if we get Wagner in and, and maybe we give him a couple of years to start to turn this thing around. And if he's not doing the job, then we look for someone at a, at a little higher standard. But um, I just, I'm just tired of the MLS guys. I don't want anybody 
in this situation that is either coaching in the MLS or coaching in somewhere outside of Europe or has no experience in Europe. Um, that, cause that's, I think the problem with, with this team, cause it's too talented not to have a, a higher level of, of coaching at that spot with all due respect to the previous, uh, predecessors. Um, what if Peralta does good and gets stem into the Would you change your tune? If he gets to the quarterfinals? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Or even to like the round of 16 and they go up against like a Germany or a Belgium, you know, or Croatia, Argentina, Brazil, they get knocked out. Would you give him – I guess I'm asking this. If he has a good showing – they win at least two games in the group, and they have a good showing at minimum in the round of 16. Would you give him another – would you give him a goal cup or two? I'll give him – I'll give him a goal cup maybe. I, it just – to me, it, it depends on circumstances. If they beat, a, like, Serbia in the round of 16 and then they get romped by, like, France or Belgium or something, then I'm not, I'm not pushing – I'm not changing my tune at all. If they beat a decent team, I'm not talking like a great team, but if they, if they beat a, a, a relatively strong team, like maybe a Switzerland, a Croatia, a Denmark, someone like that in the round 16, and then they lose like 2-1 to a Germany or something or a France or a Belgium, then I, I'd probably give them another – I'd probably be, um, extend that philosophy. But it just to me, it's just going to come down to how the whole thing plays out. And, again, I, don't, I think he's a good coach. But I want a European coach, someone who's dealt with European players with this team because of all the players we have now in Europe. And just because, I don't know, I just feel like that's the best way to go and approach the the men's national team because that is the main issue right now. We talked about the lack of European players last time. Um, That's drastically changed since. So I think the Federation is doing a good job in that respect. But I think I would just feel more comfortable with this team going forward with a guy who, oh, not to say they don't respect a, a men's national team coach, but a Christian Pulisic is playing with Chelsea. A Western McKinney is playing with Juventus. RB Leipzig with Tyler Adams. They're more likely to respect someone who has done it at a European level rather than someone who's just kind of had the MLS thing. But again, that's just the way I see it. I, I'm not saying that I'm right or wrong. But we'll just have to see how he performs. It's possible I could change my mind about that. But generally speaking, even if the results are positive, I am pretty nailed in on on this type of coach that I want for the MLS, even if he does a good job. But, yes, if if he makes the quarterfinals, he gets – I would give him um, some more leeway. But eventually we're going to have to start looking for a manager who – Weston McKinney, Pulisic, Adams will have more respect for and will expect excellence from back, back and forth, if, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Do you think um, – would you blame their recent debacles more on the firing of Jurgen Clemson and bringing in a Bruce Arena? Because, I mean, we're still fearing the after effects of Trinidad and Tobago even in 2020. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that, that's fair. Um or would Bruce you, Arena would was blame always it on the leadership of Michael Bradley and Josie Altador. Okay, so hold on, I have a lot to unpack there. Let me just let me just say this: Jurgen Klinsmann should not have been fired, in my opinion. If they don't make the World Cup, then he gets fired. 
if but you do let him finish his qualifying you can't fire someone midway through qualifying and this is the whole thing about this he got fired after losing to costa rica in saprisi stadium fun fact the u.s goes to saprisi stadium they never win they never get a point they always lose so the fact that they lost to um to costa rica and that cost him his job, I think, is utterly ridiculous because no, it doesn't matter who the coach is. We've never gone there and won. So the expectation for us to win at Costa Rica, if you want to fire him next week following another bad performance, do it. But against a team that we've always lost to, in that place we've always lost to, I think is unrealistic from that point. So I think they should have kept him through qualifying. If they don't make it, they make a change. Okay, so bringing in Bruce Arena was a bad idea. Because, again, he had that, that team in, in 2002 that made the quarterfinals. Um, do, I give him some credit there, but I, I think that was a really strong U.S. team. Um, then he goes to the MLS and does some stuff. And then he comes back. And, and it, it's just hard to, to make your players believe in you midway through a qualifying campaign where you're in trouble. So, that's, so there's that. Leadership, okay, now the leadership part. The, the, there's horrendous leadership between Bradley and, and Altador. They, they deserve a lot of blame. I would say on the pitch-wise, probably more, more than half, probably close to like 60 70% of the blame. Um, and th- that's fair because they, they have never shown me from a leadership standpoint that they know what they're doing. Um, but as, as good as he is, I think Pulisic gets some of the blame here. Uh, just because Trinidad Tobago was a very, very not a great team. There was just an arrogance about the way they, they went into that game, thinking they were going to win it easily. Um, and Christian does score in that game. But again, like we talked about before, if he's that guy, he would have gotten the result. And so I, I don't think he's the most to blame, but I think he, he takes part of the blame. So the, the blame goes really between – Altador and and Bradley, but I'm not I'm not letting Christian off the hook just because I felt like he could have done more in that match to get the result for the United States, which would have got us to the World Cup. They probably would not have gone anywhere, but you get what I'm saying. This is the thing. All he had to do, we just had to tie that game. So if he's as great as you're saying, it's not like we're asking for a hat trick, but he can have he scored a goal, fair enough. But what did you expect somebody that's good to set up the game time goal to get you to the World Cup? Yeah, you got it. Look, if, if you're that good, and you and me, neither one of us, I, I if I'm known correct, have him as the best U- U.S. player right now or the best sound, whatever, yeah. right? So, so the thing is, if he's that guy, if he wants people like you and me and others who don't, who who who, who, who take a Western McKinney or Tyler Adams ahead of them, despite less flash, if he's that guy, go get us that that that. Go get us the World Cup. I'm not asking you to score a hat trick. We're not putting you the expectations of Ronaldo Messi. All we want from you is to get us to a World Cup against a Trinidad Tobago team playing in a high school stadium. All you have to do is get one goal. And it's not like if we tie the game, it's the end of the world. It's a bad look if we tie it, but he still is good enough, talented enough, skilled enough to go get that goal to get us into the World Cup. If we had gotten in there, I don't think we'd have gone very far because this wasn't a very good team. No, we would have lost but, in the first group. We wouldn't have made it out of the group. But no, we would we would have we would have ended up with Belgium and England. So there's no way we would we would need yeah, we would get blown out. Um but with that being said, he has to get us that goal. Um 
I don't necessarily take it like obviously I, I blame for that. I don't hold it. I hold it, but I'm not like uh, disregarded to Pulisic. But every time I talk about Pulisic and every time I see him play, that image of him not being able to deliver a simple moment in a game like that just is one of the reasons that I kind of look at some of the other players we have as more. Maybe not a higher ceiling because no, there's no denying Christian is a great player and he's very talented, had a great season at Chelsea. Um, but again, he's got to be able to deliver when he's wearing red, red, white, and blue, not just, you know, the blue of Chelsea. Uh, can I say something about him? Yeah, I mean, go he ahead. scored the hat tricks, but it seems like, and I get it, he got hurt in the FA Cup final. He started out the game great, scored the one goal, you know. I think the first American ever to score in an FA Cup final was fantastic. What did yeah. he really do other than miss a couple chances right after that that could have put the game out of reach for Arsenal? You know? And I, I, I'm yeah. going to criticize yeah. him on this. Doesn't it seem like he scores so early? He's a starter. He's not a finisher, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think I agree. people need to realize that. I don't think the USA has a true finisher. I mean – Maybe like a Josh Sargent guy can develop in that kind of striker we need. That's no, you're right. We don't have a, a guy who's gonna finish. We have creators. We have we have bullies in the midfield. Defense is okay. Or goalkeeper options are decent. But the thing is, we don't have someone who can finish in front of goal. And it is like we can create all the chances we want, but if we we don't have a finisher. I'm hoping, and I, this is this is hoping. I'm hoping Timothy Ware can can become that because I think he's got the, the ability to do that. Um, but at the moment, we don't have that. And I would even say, we never had that. No, we never really Next, had. No disrespect to Clint Dempsey, who me and you both love. No, no, I love Clint Dempsey, but he's not a a all-in-out finish. Like, let me, let me give you an example. Um, I'm going a little off base here, but like a guy like Marco Icardi, right? So the thing about Icardi is this. Yes, he he doesn't do the all the things you would like a striker to do. We see Harry Kane do a lot of things. We see Jacko do a lot. You see all these other players who do a lot. But <clears throat> when Icardi is in, in the range of scoring, there's only one result. He scores. We need someone with a clinical finishing ability. And look, Mario Cardi's clinical finishing on just an Italian football scale is one of the best we've ever seen. Not to say he's the best player or anything like that, but a player like that who could who strives on finishing front of goal. A guy who doesn't need to have a lot of touches. A guy who once you get him into a dangerous position, it's game over. That's the type of striker that we need because we have creators with – well, with pool such a little bit, we have creators. With um, McKinney can create, Adams can create. We have a lot of different creators. We just don't have a killer in front of goal. And I don't care if he's, you know, having ten touches. If he's scoring in front of goal, that's exactly what we need for the United States. And the second, and so we didn't ever have that with Dempsey. We didn't have with the Donovan because Donovan was, you know, me and you don't rate him as high as everybody else. But Dempsey was an all-round striker. He wasn't, or a player. He wasn't. He wasn't a striker that that is going to be a killer in front of goal. So, and I know he scored a whole bunch of goals and so did Donovan, but we've never had that guy who we can give the ball in the box. And I know it, you know it, and the whole stadium knows what the results results going to be. Because when you give a player like that inside the box, there's only one conclusion, unless you're against a great goalkeeper. So if the U.S. had a player like that who could finish in front of goal, then this whole prospect and this whole project would be much more enticing because of that. 
Um, how come this is nothing against like the smaller countries? If you look at it, like even like Obama that comes from like Gaboon, you know. Um, yeah. Give me some more strikers. Um, just you know what I'm talking about, like ones that come from like these small countries, no resources. How come they're able to develop finishers like that when the United States, with all these resources, just simply cannot? I would say this, and I don't know the whole situation. I don't know the history of these countries, but I would say they're able to prioritize that aspect and that position because they don't have great players in any of the other positions. So Gabon, who's not a great nation or not a, not a great soccer playing nation. Um, they develop players like Obama Yang because they, if they don't, they're going to look like San Marino where they're getting blown out by 10 goals. If they have a great player like Obama who can finish goals, you can lessen the blow. And that's not a great team. They don't have, I don't even know another player with great, uh, player ability in con- in a country in his his nation. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go so it's it's like it, it, they didn't make the World Cup till '82, but they were able to develop that one clinical finisher and look what happened. Yeah, because I think the f- the fact is they don't have a lot of other pieces in any of these these countries that you're referring to, and because of that, they're prioritizing strikers and attacking players because you know that if they don't have that, they don't have anything. So it's, it's, it's almost even better having an attacking player in those countries versus, you know, a player like uh, who's a great defender or a midfielder. They, they prioritize attacking players because if they're going to be successful, that's what they need. It's better than having any of those positions of strength because if we have someone who can get his goals, then we won't, we won't suffer as much as we maybe could have before. And I'm, I'm going to – Say another thing too, and I know how much you love the Netherlands. Netherlands, when they develop players, they never, you know what I mean, develop players that can only do one thing. But even in like the mm-hmm. 2010 when they made the World Cup final, they even realized the importance of that, and they developed Robin Van Persie, who, let's be honest, had one skill and one skill only, and that was if you got in front of the net, you knew where the ball was going. You know, right. Why? Why do you think mm-hmm. the United States cannot see the importance of that? Um, it's just one of these things where they're just behind the rest of the world when it comes to developmental football. Um, it took. Look, we're in 2020 now. Just now, we're starting to see our players going to Europe. When I was 10 years old, in in you know in the early 2000s, I wanted our guys in Europe, and no one was really playing there. So I think we're just behind everyone else when it comes to that because it took us this long to start having our players play in Europe or for our players to want to play in Europe to do that. So when it comes to other aspects of developing a player and stuff like that, we're, I, I just feel like the U S is just behind the Netherlands. Look, the Netherlands is, is so great in that aspect because they develop everyone. But remember they have, they have history flooded through that through that national team. They had Cruyff, who's been the architect of the the Dutch football thing, and 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 has carried down some of his philosophies to the current generation of Netherlands football, where the U.S. doesn't have someone who's really impacted the the way that we do things. It's just like 
they just, they're starting to catch up with all the other ideas and now they're doing the Europe thing and maybe eventually they'll go out and develop that. But look, we have a midfield of Western McKinney and then Tyler Adams and we have other good players in there. We have some good young defenders that are playing in Europe. We just don't have a striker. So we need to, they need to start noticing that this is, this is a priority and to develop a player of that style for the United States, because if the United States has a clinical striker, they can make the quarterfinals. I mean, they, it just it's just that simple. And I'm going to go step farther. I think we have the best, are developing probably the best young midfield in the world, which we've never been the best at anything. But Tyler Adams, look what he did with Leipzig last year. He almost single-handedly mm-hmm. took them, said, jump on my back, literally said jump on my back and took them to the semifinals of the Champions League. When have you ever seen an American do that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I, I, not really. I don't know if we've, we have – we certainly have one of the best midfielder, midfield uh, – developing midfields in, in, no, in no, world don't football. Don't wrong. I'm not saying um, we have the best. I'm just saying develop-wise. We're starting to get so young. No, no, no. Right. I, I was just trying to, to, to cl- clarify that point. Um, but, yeah, Tyler Adams has obviously d- did so much for that team. He, he's he been injured, but he came through, won, scored that goal in the Champions League semi, uh, sorry, quarterfinal that took him to the semis. Um, obviously, uh, he does more than that, though. He's more of a, a, a you know, grimy uh, work player in the midfield who does who does not a lot of goal scoring. But in that moment, he, he rose to the cage and showed his qualities. And then you see someone like Weston McKinney who, who makes a Juventus move out of, almost out of thin air and pretty much has taken Italian football like a fish to water. So it's just like there's a lot of good components of that midfield. And we have some – I know you might me aren't the highest on Christian Pulisic, been incredible as as far as a European career so far. He has that explosiveness to create and to score. Just he's not a all and out scorer. Um, and then you have someone like Gio Reyna. And I know there's not a lot of people talking about this kid right now, just because he's a rather new prospect. But this kid's playing over there in Dortmund with Holland and and Branch and all those boys and doing a phenomenal job um, at this point, um, not to, you know, say anything bad about Christian, but at this point, at this age versus Christian at this age at Dortmund, he's far superior. He had three assists in his last game. Um, and Holland and him seem to have a cr- incredible link up play between them. So that's another player who's going to be playing in the midfield as well for the U S national team. And I don't know if he's got a call up yet, but he should get one soon because he is justifying everything that all the, everything that his talent says. So midfield wise, we're good. We just need someone who can finish the chances because we can create a lot. We just can't put them away. I agree with that hundred ten percent. Um, I do want to bring up Josh Sargent. And you know, I love Josh, I love Josh Sargent. Um, from my hometown. You see that you see those mm-hmm. flashes of brilliance, but there's always a big butt with mm-hmm. him. He plays for Werner. Do you think if he wants even a slightly yeah. bigger club? And I mean, I don't know, slightly bigger. Do you think he Frankfurt? Do like you that? think he could start to finally put the pieces together? Um, I hope so. 
Um, again, what I, what I see with him is I see flashes of brilliance, but I don't see consistent flash, like a consistent basis of brilliant football. And I know he doesn't play for a great team. And that and maybe a move to a bigger club would help him a little bit. And I'm not saying a huge club, but like a Frankfurt or a Friedberg. A I'm Osberg, saying one like of those a Frankfurt are, or like a Marcier type level of club. You know? Yeah. Um, I would actually – that's a great point. Actually, you just brought that up. I think he should try to venture outside of German football because I think he's, he's got great potential. But I don't think the style of play in Germany is the, that's, it is the, the style that, that is, is catered to the way he plays. I could see him going to – Marcy actually is a great idea – uh, a team that's in France, and I'm not saying he's going to be in France forever because we know the French league is strong, but it's it's not it's not even close to the other big leagues. But he could develop really nicely over there, and then once it's time, he can come over um, to the Premier League, the Serie A, or back to the Bundesliga, whatever he wants, and to develop those skills a little more. Him and Timothy Ware, and I think Ware, I think at this point, ha- I seen more of of consistent flash, and maybe that's just because of the league he plays in. But I think it'd be good for a sergeant to make a move to another team that gives him the opportunity to do that. Just because if we find someone who can be that guy in front of goal, and he's still very young as, as well as where, if we can find – 20. Yeah, exactly. And I think where, I think where is like 20. So the, if, if we can develop those two and trying to, as uh, I guess by, by community – Supply what we need will be great, but I think obviously we still want to develop strikers, and you know we don't know about it yet. But um, I think it's important for those guys to to put themselves in the best position to be successful. I'm not sure German football, and it's not anything against him because I think he's he's very talented, but I don't think German football is the right no. place for him at least at this point. Where it's different with some other players like Western McKinney, he's a very Italian style. Football, like that's the style of football he likes. And Italian football and German football are very similar, which is why he's had so much success in Germany. And then he went to Italy, and he's he's not really slowing down. He's still having that success, even if it's very early. Where Sargent and Way need me need to, to be in a little more, um, maybe not a less technically challenging league for them. And I'm not saying they should move because they're not good players. And I'm sure in a couple of years he can go back to – you know, Germany and be successful. I think for the time being, going to a, a French team, a good French team, or one of those would be more beneficial for him because, I, you know, he's from your city, obviously, so you want him to be do well. I want to see him pop, and I want to see him have that moment where you say, this is the, re-, you know, this is a real deal. Um, and the problem is he's not really in a, in a place where he's able to do that um just because of the style of play um but you see that with uh reina i saw him a couple of times and he's popped really quickly and i think that's because again he's his his play style is very similar to the what what dortmund and the bundesliga is where if, if sergeant goes to france and does well i think he's more likely to explode on the scene like you and i both want him to be able to do because once we have a striker things become simpler with this team i fully agree with that um I also want to bring up a point too. If you really want to develop and you're like yeah, a player sergeant, I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at the championship in England either and going to like a Nottingham Forest or a team like that and really developing your craft. You know? I think there's like yeah, this that's not about no. 
And I'll say this, like Bundesliga 2, you know, La Liga 2, Serie B, you know. I wouldn't suggest going there, but you have to admit the championship is probably the best second tier of any league in the world. And I don't get the stigma of going no, no, no. there. Go ahead. Not wanting to go there and developing your craft. What are your thoughts? No, absolutely. Look, I rate England and – sorry, not England. I rate Italy and Germany's first division over England's first division and, and France's first division, okay? So – but England's second division is the best – the highest level of second division football there is. So I don't even see a problem with that. And maybe even – Maybe even a loan move, and I know he's playing with Werner pretty, pretty fre- frequently. But maybe a loan move to like a Derby County in North- Nottingham Forest to Swansea City. One of these things would help him develop. Uh, just something like that, because I think that that's actually a really good idea. Maybe that's the move. But again, I wouldn't be opposed to him going to France like to, uh, like where did either. So I think that's that. But that's an interesting proposition. <laughs> There's also the stigma that you have to play at a massive club to be good on a national team. And then you look at a you look at like some of the German players. When Germany was winning the World Cup, you had guys like Mustafi who were playing for Wolfsburg. You know? Um think not Wolfsburg, but you know what I mean? Like look at like Yeah, and and you remember France France had um Benjamin Pavard who scored that crazy goal against Argentina. He was playing for Stuttgart at the time, which was in the he second did. division. He was the only player on that team who wasn't wasn't playing in a top league. Like that's what I mean. Like that's like my frustration with like these Jordan Morrises and people like that. Just because you may not be able to cut it in like the top division over in Europe, I don't think there's anything wrong for if you're like a Jordan Morris type person saying, Okay, you know what? I'm gonna go over and like you said, I'm gonna play for Derby County. I'm gonna play for a Fulham. But I'm still going to get that level of competition with European players, yeah, and translate it into national success. Yeah, or right, or even, I mean, this these moves aren't the most ideal for a lot of players. But like, you could go even to a team in like um, Holland or Turkey or the Czech Republic or you know some of these, yeah, Celtic like a. Uh, uh, a St. Petersburg, a, a Galatasaray, um, teams like that who are not in the European great leagues, but then you could go to some of these teams, even a, a team in Portugal. Because I feel like if Jordan Morris went to one of these teams, and for Jordan Morris, I actually would prefer him go to a a, a, a lower maintenance league, but still be playing uh, in Division One. And just that's just not the way I view it. Um, but if he went to like. Um, the team that was that just battled AC Milan in the Europa League, like like Rio Ave or something like that, and get an opportunity to play pretty frequently and develop the skills and all that. I think that would benefit him and it would benefit the national team. Because at this point, I Jordan Morris doesn't make – I don't think he should be that involved in the national team because he hasn't proven the ability to – perform at the level that that we should expect from someone like him, especially if you're playing in the MLS and you're on the national team, you should be one of the best players in the league, which he isn't. So that's the way I would view that situation. And I do agree with like the MLS being one of the best players in the league. Carlos Vela makes perfect sense for being a super sub for Mexico because he's the best player in the MLS. You know, he's absolutely torn the league up. Yeah. And it makes sense why you'd want him as a super sub to come on late in the game and get a goal for you. Right, and I'm not saying Vail is going to start every game for Mexico, 
because they got they got they got better options in their their positions in Mexico Mexican setup. But um, he's he, he is a national team player and should be pretty regularly in there. And and he is the best player in the MLS. But if you're on the MLS and you're on the national team, like on and starting, you should be one of the best players in that league. Which is why I think Jordan Morris or some of the other guys should should look for lower maintenance leagues in Europe just because just to get that experience. Yeah, um, okay, so I think that was a great talk about our U.S. national team. Now I'm getting to our next topic today, um, and Liverpool and Man United are at the front of this, and I think it's a joke. Man United's at the front of this because we're sitting in 16th right now, and if this happened, they would get relegated. Um, they're talking about cutting the Premier League down to 18 teams and getting rid of the League Cup and getting rid of the Community Shield. Um, I think I know your thoughts on this. I'd like to hear you actually tear Liverpool and Man United a good one, so the floor is yours. All right. So, I hate this, just just for the record. I, 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 want, I have to say this, though. I'm okay with the League Cup being axed up um, just because – um, like we talked about when when Jack and Cheyenne were on, when we talked about Liverpool, that that competition sometimes just seems like a distraction at some at some point, and people don't take other things seriously because there's so many domestic cups juggling. All right, that's the extent of what I like. The rest of this is is it is it is it is pure blasphemy that they're they're even considering this, and the fact that a team like Man United is in the front of this is utterly ridiculous. Yes, Man United are in a unfortunate situation, but they are one of the most historically great teams in English football, and so the fact that they're willing to cut two teams off at the end of this is just ridiculous. Liverpool again, also, why would they be? Uh, I don't know. I just feel like cutting off two teams, it, it, da- it damages the prestige of the league a little bit too. Just, uh, just because it's just, this is just not what English football is. I like leagues with 20 teams. I'm sorry. I just, that's the best uh, amount of, of games. That's the best competition. Everyone's fighting for each other. Um, and I understand there's teams that go up and down the Premier League and stuff like that, but what is it going to prove? It's not going to prove anything. It's not going to change anything other than the fact that it will it will damage the Premier League based on the fact that they're cutting off part of the league. And then, and then the other thing is you can't get rid of the Community Shield um, just because it's always been there. It's, it's an important part of English football. And I'm not saying it's a major trophy because it's not. But at the same time, it is, it is played at Wembley. It is very... Is a curtain raiser, and every every league has one. Italy has the Supercopa, the Spain has the um, has the cup, has an opening cup. Germany has the uh, a Super Cup thing. They all have this. So why is England the only team, only league doing this? And if, if the fact that no one else in the other leagues seem to be interested in degrading some of their teams and, you know, getting rid of stuff tells everything you need to know. Um, whatever you want to say about the Premier League, you can say about the Premier League, but it's just, look, it used to be a situation. It used to be a, a, we lived, used to live in a world where the Premier League was the best league in the world. Um, shortly after Italy's um, controversy, um, they, they kind of took over that spot and they had it for a while, but it, each year it seems to be dying down slower and slower and slower. And 
doing something like this can damage the reputation and damage how people see it. Um, and it's just, I, I just don't like this at all because it just, it just doesn't make any sense. And the fact that their big teams are proponing for this is crazy. And, and like, if somebody wins it, an 18, an 18 team league, there, there's going to be people who think that it's not a real, it doesn't count because we won it with 20 teams. And that's going to be the most egregious thing about all of this is, is I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm really lost for words. I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And all these teams that are signing up for this sh- are just shameful because what, what, what point is it going to prove? It's not going to do, you know, you get what I'm saying. My biggest problem, and I get football is a game relegation. I guarantee you if this goes through, one of these years, Tottenham or Everton are going to slip enough where they're going to go down. And that's awful for the English game. And as much as I hate Tottenham, that Absolutely. is awful for the English game. Awful. You know what I mean? Uh, I just think, you know, and they've shown the ability where they will slip, you know, because they're not – they're the big six things of meth. I, I've always said it's just a big – it really is just a big three in England. You know, before Chelsea got the money and Man City got the money, it really is the big three where you got your Arsenal, your Man United, and Liverpool. And when two of those teams are leading the front of this, first of all, mm-hmm. it's absolutely fucking embarrassing. Second of all, you can – you could and absolutely what happens if like Roman pulls out of Chelsea, you know what I mean? Which has been rumored to happen forever, and they have to start selling off pieces. Chelsea's got a such a large fan base and following that'd be awful for the league. And I'm, it's a lot more easy to finish in 16th when you're a club of big size than it is finishing 18th, 19th, or 20th. It, one of these years it's going to happen, and when if you lose like a Chelsea, Everton, or Tottenham. You have nobody but to blame for yourself. Nobody to blame but yourselves. Yeah, totally agree. I, I don't understand yeah. why they're doing this. It doesn't make sense to me. And the, and the fact that the the big teams are the ones in front of us is just a joke. Um, why do you, this is me being honest here? Um, why do you think this is coming about? And they can't. I hate this myth. I. I guess they are hurt for cash because TV deals aren't there. But I'm going to bring something up for you. I know the Premier League makes money, and you want to know how. And I know baseball fans are going to go bananas when I say this. Baseball and hockey are not in the big four of American sports anymore. Now, let's see if you agree with this. It is the NBA, the NFL, college football, and the Premier League are probably the big four of sports, just in terms of ratings right now. Is that fair to say? In this country. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Do you realize yeah. how big the Premier League um, TV deal is going to be when they when NBC has to re-sign with them? The amount of money they're going to have to give them to show these games over here. I think it's it's embarrassing. Exactly. This, is the, this is the crazy thing. Not as really probably the most watched league in Europe. It's the most. It's probably the fourth watched league in North America in time slots that are awful, and people still get up to watch this. It's embarrassing what's going on. Exactly. You know, it's absolutely a joke. Um, yeah. Completely. Would you agree with that statement that you probably think baseball and hockey are no longer in the big four of American sports leagues? Yeah, I, I don't think they are. Um, I really don't. Um, I think it's the NFL, the NBA, and college football, and then the Premier League right after that. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think baseball and hockey have a have a 
It, they're they're they losing popularity. Don't on, get me wrong. In the, and that's all you need to survive is have that hardcore no, fan know. base. But they're go ahead. No. Right, right. No, I get that. But my, my the point is they're in a cross. Both of those sports are in a crossroad because they they, they yes they have hardcore fan bases, but they're not attracting new fans. The Premier League is tra- attracting new fans every year. Um, look. I, I don't think it's the best league in the world, and I think at least a lot – some other people don't feel that way. But if I'm here in America and it's on TV, I'm still going to get up and watch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like every year, just in terms of the people, if you have a friend who's watching the Premier League and, and telling uh, other people you know how great it is, they're going to start watching it too. And the whole it, – it's just like the whole social thing too where – where you're going to watch it together. You're going to, you're going to, you know, have fun. You're going to have a barbecue and watch the Premier League and just, you know, just things like that. Like it, it just, th- this attraction yeah, just I travels mean- all the time. And baseball is not getting new fans and hockey is not getting new fans. The, the Premier League will never overpass those, the, the, the big three in America, but they're getting new fans every year where hockey and baseball are having the same Basically, the same collection of fans year in year out, without attracting new people into the sport. Right, and this is the sad thing. So, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays, if they win the next four games, they go to the World Series, right? I guarantee you, if you, me, and you were walk down yep. the street in Minnesota or St. Louis and say, probably not St. Louis because it's a baseball town, but let's say I went out farther in like the middle of Missouri, and I asked somebody, do you know who the Tampa? Who do you know? The Tampa Bay Rays, the baseball team, or Manchester United? I guarantee you, nine out of ten people. Would know Manchester United before the Tampa Bay race in a country where they don't. Yeah. So really think about that. Exactly. And and this is the thing: you could probably milk if you want to make money. First of all, I want to go on this more. The TV deal that they have in England is absolutely atrocious, and you know this. They should be showing all the games, and they should have a package in England where, because I think it's like I looked it up. You'll be paying a thousand dollars a year. To be, um, you know, like watch every Premier League game. Do you know how much it costs me to watch the Premier League every Premier League match? Five bucks a month. Five bucks. That's horrible. Yep. You shouldn't be alienating your fans like this, and this is going to alienate the fans even more. You know, I mean, it's like it's come to a point right. where it's like the the FA really. And I, I'm not joking about this. This is my next point, and I, I really do want to ask you this. Do you think it's time for a point where football associations start dying out? I'd like your answer on that. Wait, what so do you like mean by US football soccer, associations? DFA, Italian football, where like they stop having control over leagues. They just do the national team thing. So, okay, sorry. I just want to know the full thing. So, so I'm so saying, you're, like, so the Premier League becomes, like, an NFL-type thing, and they get a commissioner instead of having the people that run the England national team run the league. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Just, you know, just like you laid it out. I mean, it's just, it, like, look, I remember, look, yeah. it's so accessible for us, right? We can, we can watch the Premier League. On, on, you know, whatever, and then we can watch. Yep, yeah, right, right. And then we, we, then we can watch also Italian football and the Bundesliga on ESPN Plus. And then, then you look at the reverse part, part of that. Then you look at people who actually live in England. I remember the first time we had Cheyenne on the show. 
um, she told us that she ha- sometimes it's difficult to get games that she can watch on on television, and she literally lives in a in a in a city, um, in a country that is a is the Premier League yeah. is their their thing, right? And yet we, you and me, can watch the Premier League whenever we want without any difficulties. But people actually in England have problems and issues being able to do that. Same goes for, you know, same goes for Italy sometimes too, and sometimes same for Germany. So it's like all of the marketing and and the power of this is through America. You can live in America and watch any of these leagues you want. You know, La Liga is more expensive with BN Sports, but, um, and I think La Liga out of all these, is the one who was able to show that gets the most um, coverage. It gets a lot of coverage in Spain as well as in the United States, where with England and some of these other countries, they don't get the games as accessible as, as we do. We can miss yeah. the game and go back and watch it if we miss it. And I don't it. miss it. You know I mean? Call me a fickle fan. I've and only just watched like, one Arsenal match live this year on the four, but I've watched every single one because I can literally just go back on Peacock and rewatch the game. Exactly. And I can literally watch my, I can, you know, whatever I can, I can watch a Roma game, have to go to work halfway through, come back home and go to ESPN plus, and then just go and rewind back to the, to the start of the, the second half or something. And I can watch it easy where this is why there's such a big problem with this because yes, they could, they could end up with a commissioner. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily a horrible thing. I don't think it kills football, but it's not what was meant to happen with these sports. And um, it's just, uh, it's an unfortunate situation because if you're in England and you are in the country where they, where the Premier League is actually being played, you should be able to watch it easy. Well, we in America can watch anything we want football wise. And it's quite accessible to all of us. We can even record games and go back and watch it and, and this and that and the other thing. So I don't know. We're just in an unfortunate situation with this. You and me are obviously in a good spot because we're in, in a country that we can watch any of this. But for people who actually live in England, people who live in Germany and Spain and other uh, – not Spain, but Italy and other places may not have the same coverage – to be able to do that. And even when they do have coverage, there's not a place where you can watch a game or have to go to work and come back and rewatch what you missed. It's like in those countries, it's on, it's on the TV. It's on when it's on the TV, it's on when the game is over, you can't go back and watch it. That's basically the situation that this, this entire thing is yeah, found. You know, on. I mean, honestly, I don't know how this leaks. <laughs> I don't get the logic of not showing games and like wanting fans. People are over there so diehard. Even if you had every game on TV, people are just still gonna you're still gonna sell at every single stadium. On match day. Yeah, absolutely. They they live in yeah, they live and breathe that sport over there. They should be able to watch it just oh, like well, we sports. do. Even our own league, for example, our own league has a deal with ESPN plus where you can watch it once again, every MLS game. Five bucks a month, you know? Yeah, yeah, the issue is we we are here. We're in America. We can watch the Premier League. We can watch La Liga. We can watch Serie A. We can watch the Bundesliga. We can watch the MLS. We can watch the championship, right? And some other stuff as well. In England, 
for example, like Cheyenne can't just wake up and and if she misses a game, can go back on an app or on a on a, a streaming service and go watch the game that she missed. She if she misses a game, she misses a game. There's no way of getting that back. And the amount of games that she's getting in England at this point um, is is what it is. I don't mean to bring her up, but I'm just I'm just trying to make a point here that that people in England cannot don't have the luxury for what we have the luxury to do. And that is the place to playing the Premier League, which makes no sense in my mind. They should make this more accessible for everyone and going wrong. It's, it's great for us. I think people in England should have the opportunity to have a streaming service like this for allowing them to watch the games. Like we watch. I agree. I'm upset. And they make 10 times the amount of money that they do, but, oh, well, um, now on to um, our next topic, uh, your your boy, uh, Papu Gomez. Um, wow, I mean, just wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just fought over him. It's your opportunity to talk about how you were right, and a lot of people missed him. So, <laughs> it's, it's funny. He's one of these guys that um, – it's just like now people are starting to figure out that he's world-class when he's been world-class for, for, I would say four years in a row. But if I said his name three years ago, you would think I'm, I'm crazy. Look, when he got to Atlanta, he came from, um, I don't know where it was. It was, it was like the Ukraine. I think it was in the Ukraine. He comes in. Um, Atlanta's not in a great position at the time. There's, there, there. I wouldn't say they're a yo-yo club, but they're, they're a club that's in, um, you know, a, a 12 to 15 range on a regular basis. They went through a lot of changes. They bring Gasparini in, and I, I don't want to misunderstand this. Gasparini is a huge part of this, but he's not the only thing that matters here. Um, Papu Gomez comes in that first year, and and they they go, they what they were able to do from the jump is amazing. They go from from like 13th to fourth in one season. This was before fourth had a Champions League space in Italy. It was always a Europa League spot, but still, nonetheless, incredible. Then they then they drop a little down. I think it was like eighth or something, and then third and third. So you can just see how incredible this rise is just as a collective. But Papu Gomez has been the forefront of this. He is the captain of this team. He is the best leader in Italian football. He is the best leader in the world football, right? And he is... Okay, so he's the best. He's one of the – okay, let me put it this way. He's the top seven player in the world today at this point. This season, he's the best player in the world. I'm not saying he – as definition, he's the best player in the world. But this season, he's outperformed every single player. You throw whatever player you want at me, he's outperformed everyone, right? He's got four – Yes, this, but I'm just, I'm just talking about this season. So I'm not talking, I'm not saying that he's better than everybody, but this season he has outperformed everyone. He's got, he's he, in his first game uh, in a, in a tough match against Torino, a, a shootout, um, a goal and two assists. Absolutely fantastic. Next game and against a real team, Lazio, who have the best striker in Italian football, who is a team that is going to be a threat. Um, probably this season, maybe for top four for sure. They're in the European. But this is not some, you know, if if they're winning games against relegation sides, that's different. This is a real team. They were three nil up after at halftime. Papu Gomez had two of them. It was a back and forth battle. They end up winning it. But Papu Gomez is playing at such a high level. He's scoring at velocity at a high. 
high level. He is supplying balls to his teammates at a high level. Everyone's on the same page. And when you watch Papu Gomez, everything flows through him. I'm not saying that the rest of his team is they don't have great players. They do, but because of where he plays, he's not getting the recognition he deserves. He should be on the national team every single time they have a match. And on top of all that, he is a world-class player. And they got a big game coming up this year against Liverpool. He's going to be a problem for them. You can throw whoever you want on that team, and that's a great team. Papu Gamas will give them so many problems. He is and has been one of the best players in the world, and I think there. I saw this a few years ago, and he, he really started to show what he was made of. He could have gone to Lazio. He rejected it to stay at Atlanta, and he continues to show week in and week out that this season he's better than anyone All else right. playing uh, football. Very good. Um, I still have quite a few more questions, if that's okay. Right. Um, you have claimed fine. to me. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about Paul, Paul, Paul Gomez. You have claimed to me in several messages back and forth. You think this year is the year that Byron could get dethroned? Could you explain why? Yep, I do. Look, uh, Bayern Munich, top to bottom, is an, is an incredible, incredible, incredible team, right? They have, they're loaded at every position. Last year, they were this indestructible force. Um, there's, there was a lot of talk about Bayern potentially, you know, I wouldn't say picking up maximum points, but picking up the majority of the points all season. There's this talk about the fact that they're just going to walk the title again. They have this great coach who was supposed, supposed to be the next big thing, that he's going to take everything to the next level with them, and they're just going to be so difficult, right? <laughs> they start the season in Schalke. Um, Crushing, but Shaq is not not very good. Um, and then, and then I don't know what happened. They, they, they I think they took the eye off the ball against Hoffenheim. Okay, so even though Bayern played, they weren't at their best. Kimmich scored a great goal in that game. They lost four one to Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim's a European team, strong players um, throughout. Um, Andre Kramer has had a field day against that defense. They were on counterattacks. Week in, week out, and on every single time they came down, it looked like they could have a possibility score. They lose that 4 1. Okay. Then they played Dortmund in the Super Cup. And yes, yes, Bayern won, won the Super Cup. Good for them. It was a good performance. But Dortmund damaged them at many points in that game. They conceded two to Dortmund. It was a close 3 2 battle. Um, and look, I think that they, they might probably will win the league again, but there is cause for concern here. They follow that up this last week and one of, I would say, the best match of the season, maybe. A 4-3 a victory over Hertha Berlin. Bayern up, are up 2-0. Hertha cut it to 2-2. Bayern score. And then with not much time left, um, Hertha Berlin scores to make it 3-3. And then at the very end, Lewandowski's brought down to the box. He converts a penalty, okay? So all great performances. They're getting most of their points. That's, that's not why I'm concerned. My, my concern is this yeah. season they've conceded nine goals in just four, three, four games, right? Look, last season they, they had a hard time conceding one goal a game. Uh, since the, since uh, Flick took over last, whatever it was, January or whenever, he, they barely conceded any goals the whole time they were playing. Um, they have a great team. The team isn't different. They, they, in fact, they added Leroy Sané. 
How valuable is Tiago? We'll have to see down the road. So even though they're doing well, you look at this, and they're on the same level of points as Dortmund. And in both of Dortmund's victories, they looked much better. And Glockbach, player for player, is better than Hoffenheim and Hertha Berlin. And the team they lost to Augsburg is, is a pretty good team as well. Um, and then they, they beat Freiburg this last week, another team that is that was in a European chase last year. So th- I'm, I'm not saying that Dortmund's going to beat them to the title, but you can't tell me there's no reason to be concerned. It looks like they're, they've won everything, and they're, they're just – they've lost focus. They have their eye off the ball. They're not taking things that seriously because they think they're – the talent by itself is good enough to get them to, to the next level and to win another title for um, Bayern Munich. Will they win it? I think it's still highly likely, but it'd be remiss to dismiss RB Leipzig and Dortmund because I've watched some Leipzig game. They look really good. Dortmund looks really fantastic as well. So if they don't, if they don't fix their defensive issues – this is going to be an issue. It's like they'll if they win the league, they're going to have to outscore everyone because they're going to concede a bunch, and they just have to figure out a way to do this because I'm not saying they're going to get dethroned, but nine goals in three games is like the type of numbers that mid-table sides and relegation sides concede in, in a stretch of that, of that that short of a sample size. And it's just a couple games, but I've watched every game they played this so far this year, and they are – they're great. They're absolutely fantastic. But at the same time, there are reasons within this team to be concerned because they let teams like Hoffenheim and Hertha Berlin, you know, score, you know, seven goals between those two teams. And honestly, in the Bayern Munich game this last weekend, at many points yeah. in the game, they were being outplayed. And the way they Hoffen, uh, the way that Berlin scored their third goal just cut into the box as if the defense wasn't even there. Really quick passing right there and boom. So, and Neuer's still doing this thing, but it's, he only can do so much. The defense is bailing him out, isn't bailing him out basically. And even though we love Alfonso Davies, I love him. I think he's a tremendous going forward, but he's starting, he's starting to struggle defensively. People are getting past him way too easily. And just I, I I don't really love any piece of that back line. And if, if they don't start to change something and the transfer window's close, so they're gonna have to wait. But if they don't start to try to arrange something to change back there, it's gonna be a problem. I don't know what they're gonna do, but look, they'll, they'll still probably win it, but this is this isn't going to be one of those years where they just win everything because they conceded way too many right, goals in such um, a short amount of time. Thank you for that. Uh I hope they don't. Uh Honestly, I'm rooting for Dortmund to win it. Um, I, I actually have a really Same. good this year. Um, me and you were both wrong about Holland. We can both admit that. Um, yeah, I I said last week with, with the episode what I did with Danielle, I'm all in now. Um, I, I wouldn't say that we were wrong. We just I think we, yeah. you and me just hesitated to jump on the bandwagon. Um, but I'm all in now. He is going to be so good, it's not even funny. Like he's going to be a wor- he's going to be world class by next year. I think. I think he's almost flirting with that that statement right now. Um, I, I, I was um, like, he's just tremendous. I hope he stays at Dortmund for quite a bit because I think that development's great for him. Yeah, me too. 
Yeah, I, I actually like him to stay at Dortmund a very long time. I think if he stays there and continues to perform at this level, he could become like a Dortmund legend, and I'd, I'd absolutely love to see that. Um, I know there's it's, un, it's, it's uncommon for players to stay in one place for for that long, but um, I'm hoping that uh, they're just building something special there. So I think it would be a good spot for him to, to, to stay for a while. Um, now to the other side of the Bundesliga, the bad side. Um, is Schalke the worst big team you've seen? In your life. Ooh. Um, I mean, it's only been a couple games, but so far I, I think the answer would have to be yes. The worst two teams I've ever seen uh, in terms of teams that got relegated are um, Kiev of Verona from a few years ago. They ended up with like 15 points or something. And then Derby County from uh, a while back. When they, I don't even remember how many points they had, but they had barely any. Um, and obviously, all these Fulham teams that keep going up and down are pretty awful. But the problem is, Schalke has conceded, I think, 15 goals this season already. Um, they have no attacking players that are enticing. And their best two players at this moment are already being linked away from Schalke. Um, I'm afraid if, if they don't change this quickly they could be a team that ends up being relegated from the Bundesliga and not coming back for quite a while because they're in such shambles right now and we see that Western McKinney being gone has completely changed the outlook of that team and it's really it's really unfortunate because they're such a big club but to concede 15 goals already is just absolutely pitiful yeah, um- and you're losing the best derby in football or one of the top five, in my opinion, if they go. Absolutely. It's been such fun. The fans are crazy. There's always dramatic. I remember years ago when um, Marco Royce was elbowed in the face and, like, the whole like the whole stadium almost had a riot. I mean, it's just – it has that, that – a certain level of, of excitement and, and dramatics and all that stuff. And – it's going to miss it. I mean, I think regardless of who your rivals are, you always want to see those derbies and those matches because without them, the league just isn't the same. Um, I mean, wow. It's depressing. Wouldn't you say? I mean. Yeah, it's it's so sad. It's so, so sad because that, that club has so much history. It just, it just feels wrong that they're going to be end, ending up in, in the second division if things don't drastically change yeah, it's and quickly. Like when Hamburg went down, you know. I'd say even though Hamburg won all those European Cups, I'd almost yeah, say but, it's worse than Hamburg going down, you know. I mean, point. Yeah, because Hamburg, Hamburg consistently was, after the glory years, was a team that was hanging on for dear life most years, where Schalke was pushing Europe most most of the time, and um, it's just it, it feels it feels like wrong that they're doing this. And well, I thought about this the other night. I don't know how many points they're actually going to get this season. This could be this could potentially be the lowest point total we've ever seen in German football. I hope not, but it's it's, like it's, it's looking that way. Did they lose two four nil? They lost to – so Werner Brenner last year almost got relegated last year. So I think they won uh, by the playoff that kept them in the league. 
this was a team that finished just just in the relegation zone or whatever, or close to it. They lost to them 4-1. So the second worst team in the league beat them 4-1. And my question is, if they're beating you 4-1, who are you going to beat? And again, this is what I said with a lot of things. Who's Where are the goals going to come from? Because they got to come from somewhere. And I don't know, man. It's just, it's just, in, there's in such a bad situation right now. Go down? Like in Ashton Villa, for example, and I'm not saying Villa is going to win the league and compete for Europe, but we saw them go down for three years. They rebuilt, they built young, they mm-hmm. come back up. They stayed up last year, which I knew is all they, we and you both said that's all they had to do was stay up next year, and you're going to see a shot in the arm. And it looks like the shot in the arm yep. certainly happens. Do you think going down could be good for them like it was for Villa? If they if they approach it with the same way Villa did, if they don't panic, if they build young and try to get promoted in a couple of years, I think it could be good. But if they if they're desperate and they spend big money on players who are supposed to, you know, um, get get them to a point where they're gonna they're gonna come up, um, because Villa initially their first year in the championship made mistakes. They they spent big on a couple of different players that had had were high scorers in in the championship from the previous season, and they were basically d- demoralized their first season um, in the championship and they couldn't come back up. And then the following year they started buying young, they got themselves to the final, they lost, and then the next year they got to the final again. This time they went through, they made the Premier League, they barely survived that first season, which all they needed to do. It didn't matter how horrible they, they, they played or how many points they got. All they needed to do is get through and not be relegated. And they did that. So if Schalke buys Young or develops Young from the jump and doesn't make big signings, then they have a chance this, this could potentially be very helpful for them. However, if they try to buy, if they try to make some big splashes, I think it's going to backfire and then they're going to put like, themselves in a bad situation. Like, for example, how Sunderland did. Sunderland's down in League One right now. Because they tried to buy, and you know, you understand. Yeah. Well, with with Villa, they bought uh, Ross McCormick, McCormick or something like that, who had thirty-one goals in the championship the the previous season with um, I don't remember who it was, and then they 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 signed him for a not a large in terms of European football, but a large for a championship fee. And then within a year, he was already gone, and they already spent all this money on him. Um, so, with you know, with all that being said, it's just it's it's frustrating. But I think they need to buy very young, and I'm talking about developing players, because then once you get into a, a league, you'll be in a better position um, to do that. And I think going all their budget is not going to be massive, but if they burn their budget on one player, it's just not going to work agree for them, 100%. in my um, opinion. I don't know. Look, I don't – the, the surprising thing with Schalke is, wouldn't you think that they would have had developed – because them and Dortmund are like some of the premier to, like academies in the world. Wouldn't you think they have enough there to stay up every year? Like, is that why you think it's so surprising? Yeah, because they've done things the right way. Um 
I think I even brought up Schalke in the first U.S. episode we did about how they grow their players from a very young age and develop them into, you know, all these good players. And you just think about all the players that played for Schalke. I mean, Manuel Neuer was a Schalke keeper before he went to Bayern, or, um, you know, not Bayern Munich. Um, yeah, Bayern Munich. Um, and other other players who played for Schalke who eventually went on to bigger things. And so they've always developed these players who became big stars on big stages. And um, so the fact that they, they've done this just consistently throughout their career, or throughout their time in, in the Bundesliga, makes me think that it, it just, it's just why it's so shocking because Schalke is a team that should be competing for Europe. And even if they're not, they should be in the league, at least in a position where they don't feel threatened by relegation. So it's either their their youth system isn't working anymore or they're just handling their business really poorly. But it is it is surprising given the history of yeah, their uh, youth academy. Um, speaking of youth, um, and I do have about four more topics left. Um, and I do – what would you say? Bye, bye, me. And um, I, I didn't I tell you this because I me. want you to do to see your pass. I do have at the very end, I want you – I'm going to ask you to make five lists. But, you know, speaking of young talent, um, okay. and me and you are absolutely obsessed with this young man, uh, Mr. Jal Felix from uh, Atletico Madrid. Me and you are obsessed with him. We always have been, always will be. Um, yep. What do you think uh, – I'll just say, last year was not good for the amount of money they spent on him. That wasn't good enough. It was not good enough yep, I agree at with all. That. Um, overhyped, in your opinion, or do you think he's going to – be one the one, or even better, do you think he maybe should have sought out a move like a Dortmund or um, like a Chelsea or even, you know, like a, I don't want to say, uh, or even like an Inter Milan or something like that other than going to one of the top three clubs in Spain? Um, I mean, you can make the argument – I think that might be accurate, but I think the reason he had such a bad time last season is because they – and look, I have lots of respect for Atletico Madrid and their manager and the way they handle business, and I, they're just I, – I just always had a, uh, a certain level of respect for them. Um, they set him up to fail because they sold Griezmann to Barcelona, which was a stupid move to begin with. And then they sold. Then they they bought him for all that money, and basically the whole narrative was that he was going to be the next big thing at at um, Atletico Madrid. And I'm sure you know he should be able to handle it better than he did. But I thought the way that it was set up, it, it wasn't set up for him to be successful. They put him in in a, unco- in a weird position. They gave him no help. So literally, the help they had him was Diego Costa, who I don't think is is that good anymore. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he's not at the level that he was at Chelsea. And then you have, um, then you had uh, Alvaro Morata, who at times looked good last season, but really wasn't given anything. Um, and then just it just wasn't a that strong of a team. And without the best goalkeeper in the world, they would have done – I don't know if they would have made the Champions League. So, yes, it was a bad season for him. 
but I am all in on his upside and what he's going to be able to do now that Luis Suarez has made the trip um, to, to Madrid to join up with him. Um, so I think it's going to be a bit much better year. I still think it's going to take some time for him to get to that net, that level. But he's his ceiling is as high as anyone at this age. Um, so would it have been better just from a, a standpoint of just trying to, uh, to develop, to go to Dortmund or something like that? Sure. But we don't know that there was any other offer on the table. Um, so it, it, he, he was better off with Atletico Madrid than Benfica, I think, just because he can learn from those, those, those growing pains that he dealt with during that season. But I'll say this. Second yeah. half of the season, he was excellent. There's nothing you can say about that. Because he was absolutely superb in the Champions League. January on, he was excellent. Um, and what people, I think, f- fail to realize is Jao Felix is an attacking player. But he's not, he's not a guy like um, – he's not a goal scorer. That's not what he does. That's not what makes him brilliant. It's what he does with the ball. It's his movement. It's, a, it's about the way he sees the game. It's not all about the goals. So you can look at his nine-goal season and say he wasn't very good. But that doesn't necessarily tell the whole picture. First half of the season was was poor. He didn't always. He was just starting to get under his feet. Um, this season he's looked really good. Um, they haven't been perfect yet. They haven't been the best as a team, but um, I think he his ceiling is incredibly high, and I think we'll see right, him um, grow into an if animal. It in the doesn't next happen years. though. Um, surely the biggest bust in probably that'd be like an NFL draft bust to begin with. Um, but what do you think it takes? for him to have what would you call a successful season this year? I would like him to be somewhere between 17, 21 goals. And that's uh, a lot. That's like, I'm going to say eight, eight to 10 assists, but yes, yes. That's, that's what I'd like. Realistically though, if he gets ten and ten, or if he's double digit in, in goals and assists, I think, I think that he, that at that point he you sort of have to to be, uh, you know, that you're you're in with him because I I think that's I don't know how to, say, how to explain this, but but I think that's enough to 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 say that it was justified the pr- the price tag, um, at least I'm not not totally, but just just for the time being. Just in a, a season two, but he's the thing. I, people need to realize he's with Luis Suarez. Those two, if they, when they when they get on the same page, it's going to be a goal clinic. Um, but I would say, for, for, for the time being, let's just forget I agree with that. I think he needs fourteen plus and, goals. Yeah, I'd say it's successful. What what should the? Let's be honest. The league is down. Should realistically, should Atletico be winning the league this year? They have to. It's a, it's an utter embarrassment if they don't win it. Look, all due respect to Real Madrid, yes, they won the league last year. It was the weakest La Liga season in years. Um, th- there's nothing about Real Madrid's team that makes you think this is gonna, they're gonna they're gonna be this monster. They have struggled in every single game they've played in, even the games they've won. Um, they haven't looked good. Barcelona is dealing with their own turmoil with, with Leo, Leo Messi and the whole situation and other things as well. But um, so I don't think they're going to be – and I don't think they have a great coach either. So I don't think that they're really going to – they really shouldn't win it either. 
So the ball stands with Atletico Madrid. They haven't had the best start to the season, but neither has any of these three teams. So they still have a chance to pick up momentum and start to do it. And I think once they click, if, if Suarez and Felix quick to get, click together, there's no excuse for them not to win it. I, I just think it would be, it would be, it would be a, I wouldn't say shambolic, but it would be very, um, it would be, it would be, it would be really bad if they don't win it because what the one thing they needed was was someone who knows how to win, and a, a partner for um, for him. So Luis Suarez has is does it answers all the questions that they needed that it needed answering. And I know they just lost uh, Thomas Partey, but collectively the team is stronger than Real Madrid and Barcelona. So if they don't win it, it's on them, and and they absolutely should win. I'm not saying they have to walk the league. But at the end of the um, season, they should be holding the trophy, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Let's be honest now. Arsenal have no excuse not to make it in the Champions League next year. They have to. There's no – there's literally no excuse for them not making it in the Champions League. Um, And I think they will. But if they don't, it's – it's. it would be a little bit – I wouldn't say embarrassing – it I'd would be, be I'll say it like that. hugely I disappointing if you're unable to do that, I given the fact that a little annoyed, though. Because I get we're still young, but I don't know. If Arteta is what I think he is, we yeah, should, exactly. at a minimum, be getting fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, I mentioned this before, but Chelsea, Arsenal is playing football. Chelsea's playing fantasy football. So if Chelsea is – so look, this, this is the way I see it. I don't think – I think Arsenal has to finish ahead of Chelsea because of all the advantages they have this year. Look, this fantasy football team is not going to work in the way the Chelsea fans want it to work this season. Next season, it will be a different story because all these signings they just brought in will be more comfortable with one another. Okay? So Arsenal have to find a way to, to – if, no, if Chelsea misses the champ, or misses the top four, that's fine. But they have to finish at least in fourth because they they now have Aubameyang, Lacazette. That you got, got Gabriel. Now you have Partey, and then you have so many other good players on that team, and that have been with that manager who's won an FA Cup. So, with all being said, you have to make the Champions League. There's no other way to do it. And if that means sabotaging Europa League, then do it because you have to make the top four because this team is too good not to. And Spurs are, are looking good, and Chelsea has the players, so it's not going to be easy. But they absolutely—I think they have to make the Champions League. I think it's hugely disappointing if they don't. The defense has been. How honestly? How how big? You you obviously we saw yeah. uh, Tierney develop ridiculously last year. Do you think any Forte in the mix? Maybe mm-hmm. seeing the boring old Arsenal that we used mm-hmm. to see, but with the ability to score. Do you think he makes that big of a difference? I think it's possible. I don't know. I think he makes a massive difference. Um, obviously, before that, I said that you'd finish third. But it only justifies what I said when, when I saw that come across the line. And I think that that's, that's exactly what he needs. That's what exactly what Arsenal needs. And with him signing with you guys, you shouldn't finish behind uh, – 
only teams that you should really finish behind are, are Liverpool and City. I think you should finish in front of Chelsea. I think you'll finish in front of Spurs and, you know, everyone else. Um, but uh, I think that makes a difference. I think it's one of the five best transfers of the window, arguably. And I think if this if, – if he is what I think he is, he will make a, he will make a massive difference from the jump um, as far as um, – as far as you, you try to push for for Champions League and then this, but I'll say this. Signing him changes the expectations next season. If you get Champions League this season, next season should be trying. I'm not saying winning the title, but your, your oh, aim wait, should wait, be being wait, in the, the like, title race like all the way through. Because that you just said I, that, honestly. Go ahead. And you were – actually, you know what? Since you brought up the title – would you like to talk about your dark horse candidate for winning no, the league this year? I'm just being honest. Yeah, hold on. Just let me. I'll, I will. I will fin. I'll do that in a second. But let me just finish my point here. Um, so I'm going to say this: Arsenal should win the title. So look, this year it's about getting Champions League. Year two, you need to be in the title race all the way through. That doesn't mean you have to win it. By the third year, you have to win it. Or they have to look at seeing what the problem is because, based on the team that you have, there's no there's no reason not for 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 it to follow like that. All right. So anyway, so now for my title race, I think this season, I think it's possible that Arsenal can win the Premier League this season, and I, I know that sounds crazy, but if there's ever a chance for a huge upset in the Premier League, it's this season. It's my point of view, at least in this point, that the that the, the Premier League is as uh, – it's not at its lowest point, but it's at a lower point than it has been the last couple of years. There, there was supposed to be this big title race between, like, five teams this year in the Premier League. That's not happening. Liverpool got no, promised by Aston Villa 72, and that. they've not looked good in not one of their league. games. I think City dabbed them, but – Okay, but – so, you know, I think that game, it just showed you that both teams yeah. played bad. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Just generally speaking, though, um, City haven't looked that great. And Chelsea, again, I just don't believe in a team that buys seven signings and plays fantasy football in real life. I And, and they haven't looked that good. They have goalkeeper problems all over the place. Like so, so you just look at um, all these teams. Man United is not even relevant yeah, anymore. I, 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 they're I they're in the race for fifteenth, not tenth, or not, not even fifth. So there should be no excuse why Arsenal should not get six points against Man United this year. Correct. All right. No, no, yeah, you have to. You should you should crush them twice. Um. Anyway, so the point is. If there's any, if there, if there is a year for Arsenal to win the league outside of sort of behind and as a, sort of a shocker, shocking the world, I guess, not shocking the world, but being behind, you know, just as an underdog, um, a dark horse candidate, it's Arsenal. It clearly is because are they, I think they're good enough to win the league. I don't know if they will, but look, the three teams that you would be the most worried about have not performed that well. I have been more impressed with Arsenal, at least partly, than the, those other two teams. Liverpool just doesn't look good. I mean, they're good. They're a great team. There's something wrong with them because they don't look good to me. They they they're good. You know, they're great, but they haven't played well. 
at any point. There's never been a point this season yeah, where I said, wow, they're well fantastic. That was a great win. You know what I mean? City's deep. No, they've been they've been bad a, a while, um, and I don't know why. Although I kind of feel like it comes back to Andrew Robertson saying what he said in the Letico game, and it broke their spirit um, based on the results of that game. Um, but maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. So there's Liverpool who doesn't who doesn't look like a team that's that's been world class. Salah has been great, but. As that's as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty much it. There's other players who've been good too, obviously, but you know what I mean. Then cities haven't going to have issues defend that killer instinct that they should. Um, and then Chelsea, I just don't believe in this um, this season, just because there's so many new faces and there, there's going to be time to adapt. And there are players who haven't even played yet who are recovering from injury. It's a lot of stuff that needs to happen before them to sort of be a winner. So I'm not saying Arsenal win the league, but based on the other teams that would potentially be in that, they have an opportunity to against the odds go and go out there and win it. But again, I don't know if it will happen, but I think it is if there's a team that's gonna do it by surprise, it'll be Arsenal in my opinion. Man, that's like music to my ears. Um but you know we've seen it before. Um I would like to take you back to a year called nineteen eighty nine. Um, you know, Arsenal hadn't won the league. I think but that was for like 22, 23 years, you know. I mean, we've had a much – we haven't won it in 16, which is still long for a big club, but I can also understand with the parity in England. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just had a young team that came out there, started to fight, and you ended up winning the Premier League. And, you know, if that's what it takes, I will not complain about it. Elliot, like me and you said this, if the, England is this week this year and we win the league by only getting 75 points, we still win the title. You know, yeah. and it does title, and that could like jumpstart you because if I see us win a title this year, you know, let's say by miracle, yeah. whatever we do it, there's yeah. only one thing that I want after that, and that's the one trophy we have not yet have in our cabinet, and that's the big old ears. And if we win the league this year, they should be throwing everything and trying to get that. Would you agree? Yeah, they have to look if they win the Premier League this season, they have to spend big on some specific people to make that happen. Um, so, yeah, but I, again, it, it's possible to win the league. And if you win the league, you win the league. It doesn't matter how many points you had. Roma won the league with 72 points. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Um, st- we still won it. Um, so it's, it's the same goes for Arsenal and whatever. But uh, I think there's a chance because the, the, the league just doesn't seem that strong to me. Um, but we'll have to see because – you know, it's only been a couple of games, but so far they look like a team that could potentially do it by surprise. I agree with that. Um, I was going to ask you too. So, you think we'll win the league within four years? I think you'll win within three. Within three? Do you think our after they win the league? Or you think you're for a long haul? I think he's for a long haul. Um, if you don't win it in the time frame that I laid out, then you have to make you have to you have to have conversations. But this is what I think is going to happen. I think this season you'll finish third. Um, I'm not backing out of that. I, I don't care what the table looks like now. That's my belief. Next season, you'll I think you'll be in the title race, and you'll I think you'll finish. And I, this is just speculation. I see them finishing second. 
kind of how Liverpool went second and then first. And then I think year the third year of that they'll win the title. That's my prediction. And I could be dead wrong about that, but that's, that's just the way I feel based on how the team is being built. Like I said before, Arteta reminds me as like a young Cruyff a little bit. And look, don't get me wrong, there's no one who deserves to be in the same sentence as that guy, in my opinion, in terms of that. But like he's he, there, there are some reminiscing factors between Arteta and Cruyff, not in style, but just in the way they sort of approached early success in, in management. Um, so with the team, you keep everyone there. And if you're, and if you're able to make some big signings this summer and next summer, there's no reason why they can't win it in within a three year span. Um, what can I, I mean, you know, my love affair for Teta. And you yep. usually, you usually do not have a love affair with anybody like outside your club, but there's three, two people currently that are managing in football, right? Three people. It's Gasparini, Arteta, and um, Pep. I don't think Arteta – I think it's amazing because you know how much you know football that you are mentioning Arteta in the same breath of those two. Why? Because the thing is, look, let, let me, let me ta- attack the Gasparini point real quick. We did an episode months ago about this, and I, I mentioned the two in the same. Look, Gasparini is not signing the best players he can find. That's not his approach. His approach is to buy is sign the best players that fit his system, right? He's not going to sign someone who isn't who isn't going to who doesn't fit the style of football he plays. Arteta is going after players that fit the way he plays and the way he manages the game, right? So Gabriel makes sense because of his of the of the style and reminiscent to Arteta's football. He goes after players like William, who would, again, fit that system. So Gasparini and Arteta are, are interestingly similar because of the way they approach the transfer market. And outside of, like, Pepe, um, Arteta hasn't really spent, like, massive dollars on anybody. And Arteta didn't Same buy way. Pepe. That was Emerald. Oh, that's a good point. So, right. Okay. So in that respect, look, um, for, let me give you an example. Gasparini signed, um, uh, I think uh, he, he signed Zabata for like $20 million on a two-year loan. He went, and this is a guy who was, and it might be even a little below 20. Zabata's highest scoring Serie A season was 12 goals with Napoli one year. His first season with Atlanta, he scored 27. His second year with Atlanta, when he was injured half the year, he, he scored 20. So he scored 47 goals in two seasons and has already scored this season. He's sort of like a player like that did not cost much, and he's one of their best players. Then with Arteta, you look at some of the other the signings he's made. He's not making these signings based on the, how good they are, how many people think they're good, or how they're well-regarded. He's, he's going after it and signing people based on – how they would fit into his team, not just signing the best player he can find. And Arsenal, at least they spent this year, which means he could have gone after someone who may not fit it, but was a better player. So he's going after the best players for his style of football. So that's why I think him and Gasparini are similar. Cruyff and him are similar just in a small way, just on the way – how they so Cruyff obviously his first man he got the Barcelona job immediately and stuff like that and 
and the type of impact he's making on individual players, you can see. And I, you know, Tierney is is a good player, and he was he was great in at Celtic. He's totally different. He's out, he's he's reached a whole another level of of ability, and I think that's partly because of the relationship. Um, he has with Arteta and the things he's taught him. So there's, there's multiple players in this team. And that was Croy's thing. He took, he took a player and he, he maximized them and they reached a wholly different level. Pep became a much better player after under Croy and some of these other players. So he's you started to see with Arteta that he's taking players or, you know, players on, on Arsenal and they're, they're playing at a much higher level since he took over if you look at arsenal as a whole since he took over they're playing at a much higher cliff not only individually but collectively to that point and that just it's a very um it's a croyfian principle basically where you're taking a player and he's using different philosophies to make him more useful and a better player and to get his fullest potential and i think arteta does that with some of the younger players as well as um some of the players who are already established so that's why those two kind of remind me of him in in a, in, a, in a way, not not totally, but but there's some similarities between those two. Yeah, um, I a million percent agree with that. Um, you saying though, which I still can't believe that you're comparing them, but it's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not comparing them. I, I just think there's some similarities between those two. That's all. Do you think it's time for Pep to move on from City? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing. This job cannot be saved even by his own brilliance. I still think he's the best manager in the world because I think it's more than just, so it, there's, there's multiple things that go into it. Um, Pep, uh, he doesn't have the play. Like he has so many great players and all that, but he doesn't have the players that fit Pep's, fo- Pep's football. Where at Barcelona and Bayern Munich, he did that more. Um, there are great players in his team that doesn't fit the style and what he likes to do. Um, he's spending more money on a defender again, um, and their defense continues to leak goals regardless of who they bring in. Um, for all I care, they could have brought in Koulibaly and, and Van Dyke, and they still would have problems. Um, it just doesn't seem – look, this has worked because they, he's won two league titles – in you know whatever four or five years whatever i still think that's a very good return considering he's probably took taking the city team to incredible heights but i don't know where he goes but i i just think this he's kind of taken this team as far as it can go they've they've decreased in both in the last two seasons and um if he doesn't win the title this season um i don't i don't think there's any chance he comes back um, the problem is I, I don't know where he would go. Um, I don't see him going back to Barcelona, plus I just hired a new coach. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. Juventus has now failed. I don't think he goes to Real Madrid either because of the Barcelona ties. Um, I, I'm not sure where, what happens with that, but I think he should start looking at other opportunities if this season doesn't turn around quickly. Do you think Arteta, God forbid, do you think he'd jump at the City job or do you think he'd honestly still stay at Arsenal? No, no. I don't think he jumps at any job until he wins the title. I think he has to win it first and then he goes to a Barcelona or a Real Madrid or one of these bigger teams. But I don't I don't think he jumps until he 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 does what he came there to do. 
because he wins the title with you guys, he's he's thought about it in a much in a much more iconic way. And I think he wants to go there and bring you a title, mostly because he played there before. Um, but the city job would not. I don't think it would. It would even. I don't think he even pick up a call, pick up the phone and even interview for that one. So I think he wants to win the league title. And then once he's done that, then maybe he looks elsewhere. But he needs—that's something I think he wants to do before he leaves. And this is my other question about Arteta. I, I don't mean to make it for our listeners, which, by the way, we're getting more up. I see we're at like 20, 30 listeners, which for us is amazing. And I appreciate everybody. Yeah, and we're all over the place. Yeah, the re- yeah. The reason the reason they've gone up is I've I've now our podcast is on Spotify and several other platforms. So the the viewers from the last episode to the previous one jump started. So I just did that so we could we could have more of these conversations and fans and and just uh just you know what I mean. So that's that's why we we've spiked. Um but I'm 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 happy about it though. Do you think um it was good for the fact that Unai Emery came in after Arson and failed. So that way Arteta didn't have to come in and bear that burden. Yeah, he would have been dis- if he came out if he came to Arsenal immediately, he would have been he would have been destroyed by everything. So it was good that it was good that they had somebody come in and and you know not do well um, and sort of being failing fa- failing to 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 get to that to the standard that they that Arsenal fans you know wanted because uh, they wanted Wenger to go at that point um, and then. It just it kind of went sour after that, but I'm I'm glad it happened that way. And then you you get Arteta in at the right time after he's learned a lot from Pep, and then he he's become this. I still wouldn't say he's a great manager. I would call him a manager on the rise, but he is he is certainly, you know, if he's able to do what I think he's capable of, he can be, you know, one of the best in the world. I'm not saying he's going to now, but with with more time and to do that but i don't think i think he's he's casted away really early if he takes that job immediately after uh venger leaves it would be too much of a burden for him to carry um and i never asked you this because you didn't start the shell till before when i was fired did you really think you were mm-hmm. gonna do anything at arsenal no i thought it was strange i thought it was a strange appointment um <laughs> I would have gone for at the time Angelotti. I think, if I'm not mistaken, was hadn't gotten a job yet. I would have gone for him. That would that would have been my pick at that point in time. Um, but Emery did well in the Europa League for Sevilla, but he did not do well in the league with Sevilla, and that was the concern I had with him taking that job. Is I thought he was going to prioritize the Europa League and not care that much about the Premier League, and I don't know if that's true or not, but. That's what it seemed like um, before the appointment. That I thought that's what that was that was going to be his mentality. And that's I know Arsenal fans that's not acceptable. So um, I didn't think it was going to be a great um, appointment. I don't think he's a bad manager or anything like that. But I thought that job was not the one for him. I agree with that. Um, like actually, I agree with that like a million percent. Um, it was it was a horrible appointment. All right. Um, before you, we go and make your list, I do got one more question. Celtic probably mm-hmm. win ten titles in a row. Do you make anything of that? Um, some. I mean, it's very good. Good for them. I think that deserves to be celebrated. Um, 
But I think there's less stake in that than it is for Bayern or Juventus, personally. But again, 10 titles is very difficult to do in a row, especially. Um, so I think they deserve some credit. But I don't think this is the the big the best things that ever happened or the biggest things that ever happened. Um, but you know, good for them. I mean, that that's sort of the way I see it. All right. So first off, I'd like you to make some lists. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. Top five managers who are on the hot seat right now. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Um. Do I, does it have to be in order or just? Um... Yeah, it could be whoever. Um. I would say the person in the biggest hot seat is the Florentina manager. Um, he came in as a caretaker this this last year. Didn't do that well, but they got 10th, so they gave him a full-time job. They looked horrific. Um, they can't – they had a good performance against Inter, and that's it. They, they just look like a team that's lost. Um, they sold one of their best players, um, and I just don't think he uh, he's going to to be able to, to hold on to it. Um Let's see. Um, huh, I just, I just got to think here. I, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say. Um, um, oh God, it's hard to think because I know, I know that one for sure. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going to say this because. Um, I'm going to say Antonio Conte um, because obviously there's so much pressure behind him winning the title. If he doesn't win the title, then, then, um, then we have um, a, a bad situation uh, with that because if, you know, look, if, if he fails to deliver, then he's, he's out for 400% for sure. Yeah. Um, so, 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 there, so there's that. Um, and then I'm going to say, uh, um, Pioli from AC Milan also is on the hot seat. Um, what? A, how, explain. because if he doesn't make the champions league, he's going, he's not going to look, I'm, I'm going to say this. They've beaten two teams that are going to be relegated and one team that is, um, that's that this struggling this year. Look, I think he's doing a great job so far, but the reason he's on the hot seat is if this team is not competitive and is not striving for the champions league, then they're going to, because that is the one expectation they have for him. Then potentially he could go. I wouldn't say it's, it's hot now, but I can see it heating up if things don't go well. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know if you agree with this one, but the um, the manager at Sheffield United, probably yeah. just because they were in Europe last season, and now they're um, they're kind of falling uh, short. Um, not only were they in Europe, he literally choked it away. Right, exactly. Um, let's see. I feel like there's a La Liga one that I'm thinking of, but I just can't think of it right now. Um, um. Yeah, I guess that's it for right now. I'm just having a hard time thinking. All right, now I'm gonna do a new segment. I'm gonna try. We're gonna call it. Uh, yeah, your nay. Take it or leave it. Whatever you want to call it. Um. All right. Take it or leave it. 
Um, the Don will not make it past um, January this year. I'll take it. I'll take that, actually, because um, I just don't like this Real Madrid team. I think he benefited from the weakness of La Liga last season. And um, look, you can't be you can't be winning games at the last second for teams that were finishing close to the bottom last year. That's unacceptable. Um, they haven't looked good once. And I think that's quite concerning if anything <laughs> shall happen. But will they sack him? Maybe not. But I think they will have to talk about it if things don't turn around rapidly because this isn't a great team and hazard has um, not played well again and again and i'm not saying that that hazard is not to blame but zidane is is the manager and should be getting the best out of him and it just doesn't seem like he's doing that all right i'll take that too um now this is going to be the really interesting one you said it take it or leave it um jurgen klopp gets three out Madrid job by the end of next year Yep, he will be the manager of Real Madrid by next year. I really believe this because he won the Premier League with Liverpool. He's won the Champions League. All I mean, he doesn't have much left. All he has to do is win the FA Cup. And, yes, I understand that maybe there's a dynasty brewing, but I just don't see it. Um, as much as I know Liverpool fans love Jurgen Klopp, and he altogether he's done a really good job there. But all in all – um, I genuinely think that the job will be too good to pass up for a Klopp. And um, I don't know what happens to Liverpool, but I think it's possible that he will be, be the Real Madrid manager by next season. Um, take it or leave it. Um, Pochettino gets the Inter Milan job by the end of next season because I don't think Inter's winning the league. Leave it because I think Allegri is is the one make, that Inter will, will go after. Um, it all depends on what he wants to do. But if Allegri if Allegri is not hired by the end of the season um, by somebody, um, he will end up with uh, Real. I'm sorry, not Real Madrid. Um, Inter Milan um, because I think that's exactly the type of manager they need. And I'm starting to think Alonso is going to win the league. Um, so I don't think Inter going to – it doesn't seem like they're going to win it now, at least. It's just been such a poor start despite getting seven points. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say that that he uh, that he won't be the Inter Milan manager as they'll go for it like Gree. This one's going to piss a lot of people. Take it or leave it, Manchester United is not a desirable destination for managers and players anymore. I'll take that. I mean – Look, again, I'm going to bring this up again because I, I think people don't understand this. Why on earth would Jaden Sancho even remotely consider going there? Seriously. He's with Holland, Brandt, Hazard's brother. He is with a good goalkeeper, a pretty strong defense. He has so many good pieces in that Dortmund team. If you're going to leave, you can't leave to a team that's not even at Dortmund's level. So, And there's no reason why anybody would go there now. Yes, they have some young talent. Yes, Greenwood is fantastic, but I see him as a player who finishes in front of goal but doesn't contribute um, as much as I would like in other areas. And then they have Rashford, who's obviously a, a, someone who you'd love to coach, but there's just not enough there and there's too much dysfunction for anybody to really consider going there who's at least of any quality. All right. Uh, sorry, this this is actually prior 
best new segment. Uh, I know we're running on two hours, so we're going to wrap it up soon. But I do got four more take it or leave it. So first one, and I know I'm going to get an explanation, a really good explanation for this. Take it or leave it. Elliot wants Pochettino at Roma. <laughs> oh, God. Um, if things don't change, if Roma are in a situation where – because I, I still think the manager they have has potential to be a uh, world beater. Just not, I just don't know if it's going to happen for him at Roma just because of the whole situation. But I'd take that because I think Pochettino is someone who has done a really great job at Spurs. He got to a Champions League final, as ridiculous as that may sound. He improved most of that team, and they played a lot better under him. And you're talking about a team that has Nicola Zaniola, who's who's he's out. How is has a has a Pelle, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, who has many young players in this team, um, with a lot of good pieces. And I feel like Poch, if that is available for him, to if that if that makes sense, and if and if Roma decide to go in that direction, I would I actually would be very f- thrilled with that because. If he can do what he did with Spurs, I think he can do this, the same with Roma. And I'm not saying we're going to go to a Champions League final, but we can be a threat in European football within with some time with him, I think. All right. Um, here's another one for me, United fans. Take it or leave it. Ole is on the level of Roy Hodgson and Sam Allardyce. If that, I mean, he's done absolutely nothing. He got them to the, to the European final, or sorry, not the Champions League, but um, – I'll take that. I, I just don't think he's very good. I, I, I really don't. There's nothing about him. He's just a yes man who just does what the Glazers say, and that's it. There's nothing special about him. He doesn't even have a unique quality that makes him a good player. All right. Um, Sorry, good man, good manager. My, my bad. Last take it or leave it before we get into the uh, donkeys of the week. Take it or leave it. Aubameyang finishes in the top ten for Ballon d'Or this year. Ooh. I'll take that for one specific reason. I don't think anyone's expecting Arsenal to finish third. So when they do, he will be given consideration because of what most people are going to consider an overachievement by by Arsenal. And Aubameyang will be one of the top scorers in the league this season. So that will justify him being in the in the top ten for Ballon d'Or. I don't think he'll win it. I, I just don't think oh, there's there's a way that he wins it under any circumstances. But uh, I think he should be in the table. He'll be a top 10 voter um, as far as a nominee f- for the award, just because I don't think anyone's expecting Arsenal to finish in the top three. All right. Um, before we do the donkey of the week, um, we got a really good <clears throat> show coming up with Danielle this week. Um, we're going to be talking about the Euro qualifiers, um, Scotland beating Israel. Oh, Ireland are out, so we all have a chance to laugh at them again. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. So give me your donkey of the week. Um, well, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go with Man United again. Um, just because I don't know. It just, are they, they're in 16th place. Is that, is that right? Yeah. 15, 16. Yeah. That's, that's pathetic. Always done at this old at the wheels thing. I think that hype has has gone away now. They lost to Spurs six one, um, and on top of that, you know, this the way they've handled their business transfer business this year has been atrocious. Um, 
Um, I can't really think of another um, person other than maybe Ireland or something like that. But I think Man United is, is just a safe bet here just because of how horribly they've handled their transfer window. They went all in for Jaden Sancho, and, and they ne- didn't get anything. They spent all that time trying to negotiate that, and it got them nowhere. They could have signed somebody else at a slower price, but they decided not to, and, and they really screwed themselves. All right. Uh, my donkey of the week probably has to go to Ireland. Um, losing on penalties again. Not qualifying for another tournament again. Um, there's a reason why like, the Jack Relishes and Declan Rises of the world would rather play for England than Ireland. Um, it started to get embarrassing and to a point where, like, even, like, Northern Ireland, which, yes, they are two countries, even Northern Ireland, where I think it's, like, a population of 3 million people are probably going to make the Euros over Ireland with the population of, like, 16 million. It's starting to get absurd and embarrassing. Right. So, yeah, I'd have to go to Ireland. Not bad. All right. Well, that was phenomenal. Um, sorry it's about two hours long. If you, if you just want to break up your listening, um, I don't blame anybody. Um well, finally, guess what? Uh, well, finally, all three of us will be back together. Me and Elliot just had to do this because we had an itch to do a USA show, and it turned out to be a 30-minute USA show and a uh, review of all five major leagues. So I hope you enjoyed. Yeah. Um, have a good one. We'll-